0: Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators.
1: Well, great to see you tonight. Thanks so much if you joined us this morning and you're back again tonight for round two. Um, And welcome, if it's your first time with us for the day. As Doug said, grab that podcast because tonight I'm bringing part two of the message that I brought this morning and they really complement each other so well. So please, please follow up with that second message if you didn't grab it this morning. Uh, But I'm Nikki, and uh, I'm from the beautiful and tropical uh, Cairns in far north Queensland. And if you haven't visited before, I encourage you, come for a holiday. Come and check out the Great Barrier Reef. We live in paradise up there. Um, But we also have some unfortunate things about Cairns. And one of those unfortunate things is, unfortunately, we struggle with a little bit of youth crime. And um, you may have seen it in the recent, um, I guess, political agendas and things like that coming with the election coming up. But uh, it's a it's a problem that we uh, are keen to fix up in Cairns. And um, recently my parents visited for the very first time since I've moved there. And since I've moved there, I have uh, had two of their grandbabies. And you know how grandparents are with their grandbabies, right? They're more protective than their own parents sometimes. And um, they uh, came on a weekend that was the Cairns Ironman weekend. And so by the time they booked something in, everything that was in Cairns was booked out. It's one of the busiest weekends in Cairns, and so they ended up getting this kind of really average motel, hotel sort of thing out in the suburbs, sort of out where we live, really, and um, and uh, and. It was uh, a very interesting stay, but um, we, the one thing they did have going for them in this, this hotel that they were staying in is it had a really nice pool area and barbecue area. So my parents said to me, why don't you bring the kids over for a swim in the pool and you know we'll get fish and chips and we'll have a lovely afternoon. And I was like, that's great, I'll do that. So I picked up the fish and chips, brought the kids over and we head on into the pool area and we're sitting there just you know having um, a bite to eat, getting ready for the pool and then suddenly I start hearing this chopper right right over the top of where we're staying and it's like really, really loud and I'm thinking, geez, what the heck is going on here? And then suddenly it's like hovering like above the place that we are staying in and my parents are looking at me like, what is going on here? And we're sitting there and then suddenly, I kid you not, about six or seven police officers rush into the area that we're sitting there having fish and chips in with sniffer dogs, okay? Um, come into this area and they are like searching the gardens and everything and we're sitting there going, oh my gosh, we're in like the middle of like a movie right now, this is insane. And it turns out, right, that just before we walked into that courtyard and to have our fish, our lovely fish and chip afternoon, um, some teenagers had um, stolen a car and run rampant in Kansas City and the police had chased them and then they ended up pulling up out the front of this hotel just randomly and they ditched the car and ran into this pool area. And so all the criminals were literally hiding in the bushes of where we went in to go and have our fish and chip. And so we're literally just sitting there like with half a chip in our mouth just gonna be like, What the heck is going on? And my parents were like, where have you moved? What have you done? You should have stayed on the Sunshine Coast. Where are you growing up, my grandchildren? And I spent the rest of the trip trying to convince them that I don't live in the ghetto, or like I live in like the Bronx. So, um, you know, I had to convince them that this was not a commonplace occurrence, Mum and Dad. Like, I've never seen this since I've moved here. So don't be scared off by our youth crime. You might see a little bit of action when you come but it'll be an exciting trip and you'll have lots to share, right? About your trip to Cairns, lots of fun. Um, But tonight we are uh, continuing our series Out of the Cave which is all about coming and breaking out of our emotional difficulties that can keep us stuck uh, inside the cave and stop us from living the life that God has called us to live and being the people that God has called us to be. And this morning, I brought part A of this message, which was talking about the behaviors that keep us stuck in our emotional difficulties, and I gave three keys in in ways that we can break out of them. And tonight, we're gonna be focusing on on our thoughts and our thinking, and talking about the the, um, thoughts and thinking that keep us stuck in our cave, and how we can, more importantly, break out of that toxic thinking. Um, So, When I was thinking about this topic tonight, it got me thinking about when I have attempted to do a detox or a cleanse diet in the past. Has anyone ever tried a detox, cleanse diet, one person? you guys in Toowoomba, where's, where's the spirit of like health and like I need to like cleanse my liver and all this kind of thing. I have done my fair share of cleanse and detox diets in my time. And um, I think by far the most memorable of them all was the lemon detox diet. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the lemon detox, I'm gonna let my good friend Kelly, um, you might have heard of her from a show called The Office, tell you a little bit about the lemon Lemon detox diet and just how it makes you feel. So throw your eyes to the screen.
0: You're shaking. Are you all right? Just leave me alone!
2: I am on the third day of my cleanse diet. All I have to do is drink maple syrup, lemon juice, cayenne pepper and water for all three meals. Um, I just bought some bikinis online, size two, so... I
1: look amazing. Right? She looked how I felt. It was horrific. You know, day one, you have to drink this seriously crazy concoction, uh, which Kelly outlined there. And um, you know, it didn't taste so good, but you're thinking, oh, this isn't so bad. I can handle this, I can do this, all for the sake of health. And then on day two, I literally felt like I was manifesting. Like everything in me was like coming out. I just had like aching joints. I had a fever. I was sweating. I had the biggest headache. I literally felt like I was on death's door. I cannot believe how bad it made me feel. And um, it was literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it got me thinking about in the world how there are so many programs and solutions to detoxing our body. You can Google it and there would be a a heap of programs that would come up. But there's not a lot of options when it comes to detoxing our thinking. And in fact, we don't always focus and, and pay as much attention to our thoughts as we do our physical body sometimes. Um, but if we want to get out of the cave of emotional difficulties, then we really need to learn how to get some distance from or to detox from some toxic thinking. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to give you some tools and strategies to help you detox your mind and, even, and get some distance from those toxic thoughts that can really keep you stuck in your cave. But before that, I, I just want to break a myth. I love those shows, Mythbusters, and um, tonight I want to break a myth. Because I see this a lot in the clinical rooms when I'm working with clients, particularly who are Christian. I've seen a trend that kind of can occur across my Christian clients. And it's a myth that many of them hold. And it it goes a little bit something like this. It says, if I have unhelpful thoughts and feelings that I need to detox from, then I must not be a good enough Christian. I must not be spiritual enough. I must not have enough faith. God mustn't work in my life like he works in others. Um, I must not believe the word of God enough. This is my fault that I'm dealing with these toxic thoughts. And I actually find that this can be a major blockage for people accessing help, because it's a lot of shame and guilt that can keep them hidden. But the thing is, is that we need to realize is that even the most spiritual, spiritually healthy people will have unhelpful thoughts and feelings pop up from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Just in the same way that the most physically healthy people in the world can come down with terrible physical illnesses. Yeah. The two are not necessarily correlated all the time. And just like we're not immune from physical ailments just because we're a Christian, we are also not immune to emotional difficulties. Because let's be honest, life can be a, be tough sometimes. Life can throw us huge curveballs. I've sat in the office with people with huge things that have happened, either in their past or in their current situations, and it can be so challenging that we can struggle to make sense or understand what's going on for us sometimes. It can be so um, so big that it shakes our core belief and our foundations and it can have an effect on our psychological well-being. And I wanna just point out that the Bible is full of people that struggled with their emotional health at one point or another. And I wanna point this out to you. We're gonna have some scriptures come up behind me. David said in Psalm 38 verse four, "'My guilt has overwhelmed me "'like a burden too heavy to bear. "'Why are you downcast, O my soul? "'Why so disturbed within me?' Elijah said, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am not better than my ancestors. Jonah said, now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Job said, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. I loathe my very life, therefore I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out of the bitterness of my soul. Terrors overwhelm me, my life ebbs away, days of suffering grip me, night pierces my bones, my gnawing pains never rest. Jeremiah said, curse be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And even Jesus, Isaiah prophesied that Christ would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And in the garden through the night, Jesus prayed all alone, calling out to his father, asking him for another way. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. And in Luke 22, verse 44, the Bible says that so great was his anguish that he sweat drops of blood. Does any of this feel familiar to you? Does it sound familiar? Does it feel like some thoughts or feelings that maybe you've had in some point in your life? I want you to know that some of the Bible greats struggled internally as well at times in their life. And you're not failing in your Christian walk if you're struggling right now. But I want you to know that it's not where God wants, you to, leave, wants to leave you. Yeah. If you go on to read more about these Bible figures above, you'll realize that they do not stay in these caves of emotional difficulty. And the good news is, is that you don't have to either. And that's not what I believe Jesus died on the cross for. Jesus' desire, just as it is to bring wholeness and healing to your body, it's also to bring wholeness and healing to your mind. And just like physical ailments, we often achieve this by doing things in the natural that promote healing and restoration, whilst also making room for the supernatural to flow in and through our lives. And so that's what we're gonna do with our thinking tonight. Let's do some natural things that are gonna promote health and then let's pray like crazy that God's gonna heal and restore us because ultimately he can do something that honestly psychologists will spend years and years trying to accomplish. In one moment, I've seen God just change things. So let's do what we can in the natural and let's also make room for God in the supernatural, amen? So some natural things tonight that I can offer you to help rid our mind of toxic thoughts. I wanna give us a couple of steps in order to distance ourselves and detox from toxic thoughts in our mind. And the first of these is um, number one, we have to understand our thoughts. Understand our thoughts. Now what I mean by that is that we need to understand not just what they're saying, but where they come from, their origins. You see, thoughts come from somewhere. They don't just sort of Pop up. They've generally come from something deeply rooted in us. And when we understand where they have come from, we can understand why they have shown up for us, and then we can decide what we're going to do with them, whether we're gonna listen to them and let them direct our life, or whether we're gonna go, no, thank you, that's an unhelpful thought, and now I'm gonna go do something different. Now, the research in psychology suggests that one of the greatest influences on our thoughts is our early life experiences. Stuff that happens to us when we're kids and adolescents. And even in our early adolescence, I've found, there can be dramatic things and dramatic shaping of core beliefs that can happen. But predominantly, it's our childhood and and adolescence. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we have to have been gone through really really big traumatic things for there to be uh, um, an impact in our thinking, but it can be sometimes seemingly uh, small things that we have formed uh, core beliefs about. And that's because when you are young, your brain is super underdeveloped. It, in fact, takes a long time to come to its full growth. About 25 years old is when your brain will fully be developed. And so when you're a young child, your brain is is like a sponge. It's soaking in all of the experiences that you're having. And um, it's trying to make sense of who you are. It's trying to make sense of how others work with you. And it's trying to make sense of how the world works around you. But because it hasn't got the maturity and the life experience that an adult has, and it hasn't, in fact, got the brain anatomy and functioning that, a hum- that an adult has, um, it's actually susceptible to forming what we call inaccurate conclusions about yourself. Inaccurate conclusions. So let me give you an example. This is one that I share with my clients all the time. When I was in grade five, I, um, I had a really great teacher and I was really keen to impress him and I really wanted to win his approval and do him proud. And I remember getting this um, poster presentation that we had to do and I worked super hard on it. I made it so creative. I wanted it to stand out in front of all of my other peers and I really wanted to do a good job. And I remember it came the day that we had to bring our assignments in and we put them all up. They all got posted up on the front wall of our classroom. I remember it. And uh, we all got sat down on the floor and I remember the other year five teacher came in and um, we were kind of. they were observing and making comments about all of these poster presentations that we'd done. And they got this one here, amazing, look at this detail that they've put in this one, and this one over here, this is so great, you know, you can tell this person's really done great research. And then they come to mine, and I'm like, yes, I'm gonna get praised, I'm gonna get all of the um, acknowledgement for my hard work, and this is gonna be awesome. And I remember my teacher turned to mine, and looked at my poster and said, but this one here, this is just overkill. <laughs> wow. You can tell this person is simply trying too hard to impress, <laughs> and I remember sitting there as a 10 year old on the floor and thinking to myself and feeling just my, my heart sink into my gut and thinking to myself, nothing I ever do will ever be good enough. And in that moment, my inaccurate conclusion was formed about myself. And I would put money on it that tonight, you too would have inaccurate conclusions about yourself. And the thing is, is that they remain fairly hidden when life is going sweet for us. When we feel like we're successful, we're kicking goals, we're meeting the mark, we're um, meeting all our expectations. But when life takes a turn, when we fail that uni exam, when our relationship breaks down, when our finances aren't going as good as we'd hoped, that inaccurate conclusion can get triggered in a big way it's like a big button gets pushed and that inaccurate conclusion comes to the surface. And suddenly, I wasn't thinking about that core belief before, but now that I've had this situation, it's pushed that core belief that's deep inside me and now it's really become quite obvious to me and it's causing me a lot of distress. And when it gets pushed, we have an emotional response to that. We either feel angry or we feel anxious or we feel sad or we feel upset or whatever the emotion might come from that. Um, It can last for minutes or hours or days or weeks, months, and sometimes even years. And then when we have an emotional response, response, usually what happens from that, a flow-on effect, is we have a behavioral response. So because I feel sad or anxious, maybe then I go into defensiveness or denial or criticism or blaming others. Maybe I withdraw or I go into avoidance or opting out, procrastination, maybe I eat a whole lot of food or I drink a whole lot of alcohol whatever it is that I do to cope, there's usually a behavior, behavior that follows those difficult emotions. And then, but then the thing is, right, when we behave in those ways, that actually feeds back into our inaccurate conclusion. Because then we're like, well, now I'm behaving in a way that's just, you know, really demonstrating that anything I ever do will never be good enough because I can't even get this right. I'm now, you know, opting out. I'm now not going to uni. I'm now drinking too much. I'm now doing whatever. And so what happens is that inaccurate conclusion gains momentum and it gets more evidence for it and it can get stronger and stronger and stronger. And people with depressive disorders or anxiety disorders have generally had this cycle happening for so long these core beliefs and in inaccurate conclusions have become so strong that they now need professional help in order to undo them a little bit. And so tonight, I would love to give you some tools to get off this cycle. And the first step, but the first step that we've just talked about is we've gotta understand where those thoughts come from. The second thing that we need to do is we need to pray about our thoughts. Before we do anything else, we need to pray about our thoughts, and here's why I'm gonna show you. Philippians 4, verse six to seven says, "'Don't worry about anything, "'but in everything, through prayer and petition "'with thanksgiving, present your request to God, "'and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, "'will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.'" Now, I'm not of the opinion that every toxic thought that you have is an attack from the enemy. There certainly is times when I think the enemy does go for your mind. But I'm not of the opinion that every toxic thought is. And like I said earlier, a lot of it can come from our early life experiences and those inaccurate conclusions that we make about ourselves. But one thing I do know, and I do believe as a Christian, is that I do know that spiritual practices influence physical realities. We see evidence of this right through the Bible, where prayer would move things and change things in the physical realm. And so when our mind is bombarding us with toxic thoughts, it just makes sense to me that as a Christian, we would pull out our spiritual weapon to combat those thoughts. And not only do I think that's a good idea, and the Bible thinks that that's a good idea, but scientific research actually says that it's a good idea too. You see, when we become anxious, stressed, or sad, we have a strong activation in a part of our brain called the limbic system. Now, this limbic system is generally in the middle of our brain, so to speak, and um, this is what we call the emotion center of our brain, okay? And what it does is uh, it activates and then it kickstarts a whole lot of um, mechanisms that try to keep us safe, and we start behaving out of that. But one thing that also happens when we get highly stressed or depressed or, um, or angry or um, sad or whatever it is, is that a part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is at the very front, begins to switch offline. Now this prefrontal cortex is actually responsible for our logical, rational reasoning. So in other words, it's the wisdom part of our brain. So when we get highly anxious, highly stressed, highly sad, the emotional part lights up and gets really strong and wisdom goes completely offline. Now, this is a problem for us, right? If we want to act in effective ways to get ourselves out of the cave instead of resulting back into ineffective ways of coping. And so, um, uh, but I want to show you this. I want to check this out up on the screen behind me. Scientists have conducted an MRI study on nuns when they were praying. And this was the result. I'll interpret it for you. What they found is that when nuns were praying, the limbic system parts of the brain, those emotion centers, began to decrease in activation. But here's the awesome thing, and you can see it in that attention area that it's um, pointing to, that red area there, that is your prefrontal cortex. And that red there indicates blood flow and strong activity. You see, when you pray and you access the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it actually flicks on the wisdom part of your brain. And it quietens down the emotional part of your brain, which actually allows you to act in more effective ways so that you can get out of the cave and continue to live the life that God has called you to live. God has given you everything you need in order to have victory in this area. How cool is that? That our prayer actually changes things in our brain, which changes things in our mental health. Number three, after we pray, after we understand our thoughts and after we pray, we need to do a thing called challenging our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, verse three to five. It says, For though I walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, the context of this scripture is that the apostle Paul is teaching in Corinth and facing significant opposition, like in real life. And he's facing it both personally about his character and he's facing it about the gospel that he's preaching. And arguments and opinions are being made. Inaccurate conclusions are being made about the type of man that Paul was and the type of gospel message he was preaching. And in the same way, Our minds do that. Our minds bring up arguments against us. Our minds make opinions about us. Our minds form inaccurate conclusions about us. And our attitude has to be the same as Paul's was in this situation. We have to destroy those arguments and opinions that are not in line with how God would see us. So how do you do that? Well, Here's how we do it in the clinic rooms. We do what we call taking a thought to court. We take it there, baby. We take those thoughts to court. I am all about that. I sue people, no, I sue thoughts all the time, not people. (laughs) Let me explain. Let's say your thought is everything I try, I end up failing at. Let's imagine for a minute, we're putting this thought up on a stand in a courtroom. Now, just like a regular courtroom, there would be a prosecutor that would bring evidence to say that this claim was true, and a defense attorney that would come and say, this um, claim is false. And that's exactly what we're gonna do with our thoughts when we take them to court. We're gonna put it up on the stand and we're gonna look for the hard evidence that that thought is true and the hard evidence that that thought is false. Because your brain has come up with inaccurate conclusions based off stuff that's happened to you as a kid. But I wanna f- point out tonight that they are inaccurate conclusions. And that when we actually examine the evidence using our adult brain, often we find that that's not the case at all. I am in fact good enough. I am in fact not a failure. I am in fact um, able to do this. And so I wanna give you an example. Uh, so if this claim, everything I try I end up failing at, you list a moment where you indeed found somewhere. So let's say evidence for this claim being true is I failed at my recent uni subject. But let's think about that evidence that might be against it. Some examples might be, I passed all three of my other subjects. I passed last year. I just started going to CrossFit and I've been improving. Each time I go, I'm not failing at that. I just successfully paid off my car. I would not think a friend going through the same experience was failing at everything. So why would I think that of myself? And quickly you would realize that you don't fail at everything. You just failed once. But you're not a failure. You just didn't pass a uni subject. And suddenly, the toxicity of that thought, which was huge at the very beginning, having huge influence over your emotions and your behaviour, suddenly that toxicity decreases a little bit. And suddenly it's not, I fail at everything, but hey, I just didn't do so well in this one subject. And now I feel like I can approach the next season or the next semester or whatever of my uni. This is just an example. But when you take your thoughts to court and examine the evidence, It's amazing how it reduces the toxicity. And the last thing that I wanna talk about tonight, after we have understood our thoughts, prayed about our thoughts, challenged our thoughts, is we have to change our thoughts. Philippians four verse eight to nine says this, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about such things. You know, taking the bad out is effective, but we've gotta replace it with the good. You don't necessarily become healthy just because you do a detox diet. You become healthy by placing good food in your body. And in the same way, when we take out that toxic thinking, we have to redirect our attention onto things that are excellent and praiseworthy. In other words, other words for these things are gratitude and thankfulness. We need to turn our eyes towards things that cause us to give praise to God, to others and to ourselves. Gratitude or giving thanks is one of the most powerful tools for shifting your emotional state and the research backs that. And if we wanna begin to get out of our cave, might I encourage you, friend, that you begin to think about things that give thanks and praise. You know, a few years ago, I went through a significant season of my life where I was struggling with anxiety, and uh, I was struggling almost daily with with anxiety that I'd never experienced before. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an anxious person, but it just came sort of out of no well, not out of nowhere. I had a lot of things going on, which is normally the case. Um, but I just remember for about eight months, daily, I woke up and anxiety would hit, and I'd be. I just remember trying to battle through work with this hanging cloud over me, it was horrible. And at the time I was writing a program for kids about resilience and I came across the research around gratitude and uh, I was uh, I was sitting by the beach one day just thinking about what's going on in my life and just struggling and having a bit of a praise uh, to God and I remember just thinking maybe I should apply some of that gratitude that I've been learning about. Maybe I should just begin to lift up my praise and thanks. I've learned in church that that's what we're to do. Maybe I should start applying that. And I just remember starting off small because at the time it felt really hard to push through the anxiety and be thankful for stuff. But I just started off small. God, I thank you for the sunshine today. God, I thank you for breath in my lungs. God, I thank you for food in my belly. I thank you for the birds in the trees. And as I began to just give thanks, I remember it becoming easier and easier. And suddenly my thanks became bigger and bigger. And I began to thank God for bigger things in my life. God, thank you that you have a purpose for me. God, thank you, you placed me in a community of people that love and believe in me. Thank you for an awesome church to belong to. Thank you that you died on the cross, God. And I just remember as I began to give praise and thanks, I literally, my emotional state just began to dramatically shift to a point where I was just feeling freer and freer and freer to the point that anxiety was diminished. And I remember heading off to work that day and just thinking, man, what a difference. What a difference. And so I decided to make that a daily habit of mine. Whenever I drive to work, I would just start thanking God. Thank you God for today, it's gonna be awesome. Instead of focusing on what my mind was telling me, this is gonna be horrible, this is gonna be terrible, how are you gonna get through this with your anxiety? I just began to focus on what God was bringing to me instead of what I felt like He was not bringing to me. And I just believe today that there are some people here that if you were to switch your mindset and begin to praise and bring gratitude to God, I just really believe some chains are gonna begin to break off your life. So tonight, let's recap. To come out of the cave of emotional difficulty, number one, we need to understand our thoughts. Number two, we need to pray about our thoughts. Number three, we need to challenge our thoughts. And number four, we need to change our thoughts. And this is how we get out of the cave of toxic thinking and step into all God has called us to be. Let me pray for you. God, I thank You. I thank You that You know every thought. You know everything about us. You know the struggles, you know the experiences, you know the traumas, you know the pain. And I thank You, God, that your desire for us is not to remain there, but to step into freedom and victory in our minds and in our mental health. So God, today, I pray for my friends here, would you help them to get out of the cave of emotional difficulty? Would you help them today to have victory in their mindsets? Would you help them, Father, to uh, to journey uh, through their thinking, God? Would you help them to challenge and take captive those thoughts? And would you help them ultimately to fix their eyes on you and lift up the praise and thanksgiving and gratitude? Attitude in their hearts, God, and in their minds. I pray, Father, for any person here that's struggling, that You, Father, would meet them right where they're at. And God, we invite the supernatural. We invite the supernatural, God. We thank You, God, that in this place, praise reports are gonna come out from people that were in worship and suddenly depression lifted and they never experienced it again, God. We thank You, Father, that the supernatural can do far more than the natural ever can at all. So God, we invite you and we thank you for those praise reports. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that blessed you tonight, church. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll hand it back to Doug.
2: Awesome. That's so good. Thank you, Nikki. Something that we want to do in every service is have that opportunity for people who maybe have never asked God into their life never said, I want to follow you, I want to know what you've got for me, I want to see what you can do in and through me, uh, as well as deciding to to follow what He's laid before us as well. So I want to give you that opportunity tonight, because what we know is that freedom that God offers is found, well, by beginning to say yes to Him, is found in knowing who God is. And so I want to give you that opportunity for you personally to say yes to him and ask him into your life so right now if you just close your eyes for a moment to give these people privacy a number of people this morning making this decision for the very first time as well and if that's you tonight as an outward sign of an inward decision I'd like to invite you would you raise your hand and let me, and I'll pray for you where you are now and saying God I want you to come into my life yes that's awesome I want you to come into my life I want to know you myself you might have heard plenty about him but this is your opportunity to get to know him awesome that's so good. Contras, let's celebrate with these people again tonight. This is fantastic. And uh, that's really cool. Now I'm going to pray for you and just show you an example of, of a prayer that you, I'd love you to pray. And I would really encourage you to, to make sure that you do pray, that you are talking to God. and, and say it in your own words now or wherever it is but I'm going to invite the church as well we're going to pray for you together because as much as you need to know God personally this journey is not by yourself you're a part of a family and that's what this church is and so we're going to pray for you that something shifts and changes right now for the rest of your life is that cool? So come on church let's pray for these people together Father I thank you that you've revealed yourself to your children and they are a son they are a daughter of yours Lord and that can't be taken away because it was given freely to them Lord, they never earned it. You gave it through what your son did on the cross. We are thankful for you sending your son to die and rise again. Lord, that we could experience freedom, experience purpose that you have for us. Lord, so help them as they take these steps towards you, as you come into their life and bring change. Lord, that you reveal more about who you are and who you created them to be. Lord, that they know you personally, that they find this freedom that that you died to bring them. They, they uncover the purpose that you place within their life, that potential, and that they make the difference that you call them to make here in this world. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you, to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.